alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know Flatterfans, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 220th Annual Subliminal Session Podcast, the weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody. I'm my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. Another amazing, fun week of working to death, you know, that uh, <laughs> the American dream, as some, some people refer to it. Um <laughs> I was going to ask you, so I ended up having a drink with an old friend yesterday, right? And he was talking, he told me that I need to watch the new Disney hit show, Ahsoka. Now, have you watched this yet? I have not. So I canceled my Disney Plus after the disappointment of the last run of Star Wars shows, mostly Obi-Wan. But no, I have also been told that I need to watch Ahsoka. Yeah. He told me it was, quote, as good as the first season of Mandalorian, which the first season of Mandalorian was good. Yeah, I've heard I've heard very good things about it. Definitely. Yeah. I've been told it's worth getting Disney Plus back Ooh. for a while to, to watch it. So I was watching uh, real quick here. So there's an old anime that. Fuck, it's probably from like the late 80s, early 90s, called Yu Yu Hakusho. Have you ever heard of this? No, I haven't. Okay, so I'm watching it, right? And there is a, I imagine he's supposed to be a Buddhist ninja or something, right, on the show. This motherfucker has a humongous swastika, just like Charles Manson does right in the middle of his fucking forehead. <laughs> You said it, is it Japanese, Chinese? What is it? It's Japanese. I know it's like the, <laughs> the, the Buddhist. It means something completely different to yeah, them. Well, yeah. yeah, I know. It's like the Buddhist one where it's like facing the other way. But when you have a character who literally looks like Charles Manson on the fucking <laughs> show, it like caught me so off guard. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> I was like, I, you immediately think he's the bad guy. Yeah, well, I mean, technically, he kind of is. But guys, I think we could have done without that. I, I, you know, in the '90s, you were well aware of what that was and how people would perceive that. You really didn't need to do that. Yeah, I do think so. It's it's not something that gets like flaunted. Whenever you go to you know a sushi place or really good like Asian food place, they always have it's the it's the cat. Or kind of like the teddy bear looking thing with the big belly and the swastika, uh, <laughs> the reverse swastika, whatever, yeah. whatever it's called, whatever they call it. It's that um, it's always kind of like up on a shelf somewhere, kind of hidden away, but it's there. People who don't know, maybe see it and kind of freak out a little bit. But yeah, it doesn't mean that. Now, if you go to a Japanese place and see a rising sun. Yeah, that'll be. <laughs> yeah, rising sun, uh, rising sun memorabilia might be a different thing. giant picture yeah. of Emperor Hirohito. Um, you <laughs> might, you might want to consider going elsewhere. 
Possibly. Yeah. It's uh it's debatable, you know, what he, you know, what orders he gave, what he did, but definitely, <laughs> you know, it could be the memorabilia could be something from like this was grandpa's sword back in World War II. God knows what he did with it, but yeah. <laughs> the See, Americans didn't steal it from us. We still have it. So See kids, that's not rust on there. That is the blood of uh, the, my grandfather's that's enemies. That's the blood of <laughs> the blood of Southeast Asian men. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking no. It could be. That's fucking terrible. Yeah, they used to have contests. It was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, some would say yeah, it, was, it was a problem. Yep, it was a it was a problem. <laughs> Problematic. Yeah, yeah. Say nowadays. <laughs> so I have one thing. <laughs> what I want to jump into really quick before we go into this. So. As you know, I'm becoming an older gentleman, much like yourself. Yeah. And uh, starting to have a real hatred for the youth of the world, especially the ones who live in my neighborhood. So I'm starting to learn now that school's back in session, the kids, they're all, you know, everybody, nobody, nobody here walks. Everyone takes the bus home, even if they live a block away from school. So basically the kids all get dropped off right across the street from my apartment complex, kind of on the same road right there and it's just terrible because once they get off the bus they all just stand around in the street like giving you like a little lane in the middle to get through the problem is there's a lot of cars parked on both sides i've also noticed that some of the more daring of these teenagers hide behind vehicles and then run out in front of cars (laughs) as they're coming by is this a tiktok challenge to get ran over by somebody or what I don't know if they're doing the the TikTok thing or like what's going on. But yeah, instead of hanging out, like even on the curb or on the sidewalk, you know, most of them will be kind of on the grass or just off the curb, which is fine, you know, because there's cars everywhere. There's no one going to hit them there. But some of them like kind of hang out towards the middle of the road. And some of them you can tell are waiting to run across as cars come. Have you you like running, running, like playing chicken with them, basically. Do you remember the movie The Happening? Yes. Maybe the pollen has infected these children (laughs) and they're trying to die. I think it might have something more to do with uh, economics. Ah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Well, kids. In poverty. (laughs) (laughs) Well, kids, a lesson here. If you're listening, please don't run out in front of oncoming traffic. It's never going to end good for you. Yeah, one day you're going to come across a truck who doesn't feel like hitting his brakes, yeah. basically. Yeah. Because there, there are pretty large trucks who use that road. Yeah, I one uh, big semi could uh, take uh, take him out pretty easy. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I'm talking about like just dudes who are driving like the F-350s. Ah, Those okay. Ones. All right. I forget. <laughs> you're in the Southwest. It's uh, <laughs> a little different there. <laughs> It's one of them yeehaw states. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 for sure. (laughs) All right. So enough of that. Getting into this. First off, a quick show note. Last week, we forgot to actually mention the listener who gave us this great recommendation for the two part series that we are presenting you with. So let me make up for that right now and say thank you, Caitlin. She actually hit us up on Instagram, uh, gave us this really good suggestion and a couple of other ideas that we will get to eventually. Yeah. Thank you, Caitlin. You've uh, she's gave us a few recommendations. We greatly appreciate them. I've gotten a few more that I have in the back pocket, but I'm not sure 
not sure when I want to pull them out. I have to, when I start writing notes, then I'm like, you know what? Maybe this sounds good this week. Yeah, she actually gave me the idea for, uh, it's called Stone Tape, but I thought she was talking about stoned apes, which is the very famous <laughs> Joe Rogan uh, theory that he kind of puts out there with the with the early humanoids like eating mushrooms and having their mind expanded. But she she informed me that it was not that. So Okay, hold on. Real quick here. So is he saying humans eating mushrooms is what led to their intelligence? Pretty much. I think that's the, the stoned ape theory is psychedelic ah. mushrooms being eaten by early uh, human, not humans, but, you know, humanoids kind of like expanding their mind and turning us from apes to humans. I'm just going to say, Mr. Joe Rogan, um, I, I'm i going to disagree with you on that one. I know he's really big into the psychedelic thing, but I've met, I, you know, you, you meet some people who do, do a lot of psychedelics, and I can't always say they're the brightest individuals. I think they've actually devolved a little bit. Their mind doesn't expand. It just kind of flattens out a yeah. little bit. <laughs> yeah. The wrinkles iron out. Yeah. yeah. I mean... I don't know how you get smarter by staring at a wind chime for hours on end, but <laughs> they do it. Definitely. Yeah. Well, when you think the wind chime is your teacher, maybe. Yeah, very true. <laughs> That's my ancestor. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Now, in part one of the series, we mostly talked about the history and the possible origins and folklore behind the conspiracy of the men in black and pretty much just the phenomena of what these possible human agent, possible alien, whatever you want to believe actually are. If you haven't caught that episode yet, definitely go back and give that one a listen. But for today's episode, we are going to move past the 40s and 50s, getting into some of the weirder stories of Men in Black sightings that have happened in the past uh, three or four decades. Yeah, I would say definitely episode one's more... I don't want to say sensible, <laughs> but it's uh, maybe it is more sensible compared to what we're going to be talking about today. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe this like today's episode is more like the stoned ape theory <laughs> version of Men in Black. And last week was more like, uh, I don't know, Charles Darwin's evolution. evolution. Yeah, so... <laughs> That's how wacky it's probably going to get. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that was definitely a getting your your feet wet episode. And uh, we're diving right into it. This first one isn't too crazy, but then it goes off the rails pretty quick after that one. OK, real so quick. I figured I might as well keep the I might as well <laughs> might as well have the mostly normal one up first. Then we'll get into the odd ones. So here's my question real quick. I don't even know if you know the answer. So the getting your feet wet saying right is that are we talking about like if you're about to jump in a body of water you kind of want to like test the water with your feet yeah i believe it's okay like a bathtub or a hot tub am that I, kind of deal am i the only one let's say you're getting it jumping into a pool i feel like it's better don't like tease yourself with the temperature of the water just go head first in there and you will adjust really quickly. It might be a little uncomfortable at first, but you'll adjust faster than slowly inching your way into the water. I'm just I'm it's, just saying. 
Yeah, it's the Band-Aid effect. Yeah. Rip it off instead of definitely. Yeah. 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 Okay. Anyway, continue on. Men in Black here. <laughs> All right. Getting out of uh, <laughs> analogy corner here. The first story that we are going to cover today is that of Robert Richardson and Jerry Quay, who on July 13th, 1967, were on a road just after dark outside of Toledo, Ohio. They were traveling around a bend when Robert, who was driving at the time, was blinded by a brilliant blue and white light. It completely blocked the road in front of him. He had been traveling at about 40 miles an hour at the time. Uh, When he saw this light, he immediately slammed on the brakes, though he would still hit the obstacle in front of him, uh, which they later claimed was a rectangular object about eight feet high and 22 feet long. After the collision, the object had completely vanished. I'm kind of surprised, like, the car had to be wrecked, right? Like, Well, I think they they made cars uh, a little bit better <laughs> those days. Also, there is kind of a claim by the investigator. The cops investigating it think that whatever it was, if it did, you know, like, move away or fly away, it must have moved just as they were about to hit it because ah. it didn't really scratch up the bumper and the... Uh, grill like as bad as it could have if they would have smashed right into it but remember uh just like back to the future when they were talking about landing on top of biff's cars uh, cars were made a little better those days out of real steel i will say this yes they were made better but they also had steel dashes with just the bottom <laughs> seat belt so if you hit something your head is hitting that steel dash and then it's fucking exploding from the impact it's just like that it's just like that Ford Fairlane. Yeah. <laughs> Seatbelt's optional. Dude, if you hit your head on that dash going too fast, you'd just be fucking dead. Oh, definitely. That dash was sharp. It cut you. <laughs> yeah, cut your skull yeah. right in half. Yeah. Split your wig right off. Fucking love that car, man. That was such a cool car for high school. Yeah. And then your dad turned it into the Andrew Griffith mobile. Cop car, yeah. <laughs> After the collision, the two men would go on the search for authority figures, eventually finding two highway patrolmen and a few police officers. They basically had to go from like little town to little town just to find an open cop shop, basically. Uh, They all would eventually, after telling their stories, go back to where the two men had claimed that the crash occurred. Uh, This was the next day on the 14th. But besides the vehicle skid marks that they had left behind, the authorities could find no further evidence to back up their claims of the collision or the strange object on the road. However, allegedly, I should say, on a later visit, Robert would actually find a chunk of metal that he had believed had broken off of the UFO after the impact. He would eventually give the metal to an investigator from ARPO, ARPO stands for Aerial Phenomena Research Organization. Uh, He gave it to them for analysis. Okay, so I think it's funny that they waited till the next day during the 60s, which to me clearly indicates they were probably drunk. And number two, (laughs) so if he had this chunk of metal and he gives it to ARPO, would that not mean that they must still have it? Yeah, I was trying to figure out, you know, if there's this metal that supposedly existed and the investigators had it at the time of the incident we're about to talk about does that mean that this metal is still floating around out there somewhere is it is someone using it as a paperweight 
sort of situation at MUFON? Like, what happened to it? You know, you hear nothing about the metal, only really that it comes into play when the men in black show up. Ah, okay. So far, I'm getting the impression that it could have just been a plain old piece of metal and nothing important. Or broken off from something underneath the <laughs> yeah the undercarriage of the vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, too, I, back then, you got to imagine, it wasn't even against the law to drive drunk. So I wonder, <laughs> two dudes driving around at night, 20, you know, early 20s, I wonder what they were actually doing. You know, like yeah. out there racing, you know, yeah, going around corners at fast speeds. That could be too. Maybe they ran over a person and then <laughs> like buried them and then came back and like, whoa, whoa, we we must have hit an alien craft. <laughs> that explains all of the human sized dents in the car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, a, a few days later, at around 11 p.m., two men in their 20s would visit Robert Richardson at his Toledo home. They would question him for what he had claimed to you know, see for about 10 minutes. The two men never gave their names or the organization that they had worked for. And according to Robert, he never really even thought to ask them like who they were, or why they were, you know, asking him all these questions. As for Robert's description of the men, he said that they were pretty normal looking. They were friendly and non-threatening and simply asked him questions during their time together. He noted that they both wore black suits, and after the interview was over, they would leave in their 1953 Cadillac, uh, which actually he claimed would have unregistered plates. One thing about the Cadillac, apparently it was spotless and in mint condition, and even though it was nearly a decade and a half old, it looked like it was right off the showroom floor. Okay, so first glance at this, it almost sounds like members of the LDS church, but... Two men in their 20s wearing black suits? You know, I don't know. But in all seriousness here, so you're saying mm-hmm. this first interaction, they're non-threatening? Yes. Just so, questions. Yep. It seems like, okay, so there will be another visit again. It okay. seems like these might have been the the ones who, like, you know, the friendly Mormons who come in and kind of, <laughs> like, show you the nicer side of Mormons before the, you know... <laughs> Before you find out about how much of your paycheck you have to give, Ew. you know, be before like, you meet the elder, be like, come on, guys, you get your own planet and women do not get their own planet. Only men get their own planet. Isn't that worth 20 percent? Yeah, on. <laughs> come on, fellas. <laughs> you get to be the priest in your own home church. Doesn't that sound fun? You get to lord over everyone. Yeah, it's got approved. Yeah, multiple wives, guys, multiple wives. Definitely. So about a week later, Robert Richardson would be visited once again at at his home, this time by two other men in black suits, who this time would show up in a black Dodge sedan. He had claimed that though one of the men spoke perfect English, the other one seemed to have an accent. And both men had dark complexion and seemed very foreign. Robert would claim that the men began the interview by trying to convince him that he really hadn't seen anything at all that night. Uh, never crashed his vehicle into anything. Nothing of note happened. Seemingly trying to gaslight compliance out of this young man. Okay, this is interesting. I've never heard of a men in black not being like a fucking Edward Scissorhands pale ass complexion to them. So they were dark complected 
and they seemed foreign, but I'm assuming he, you know, being the 60s, he probably doesn't, can't tell the accent, I'm guessing. Probably not. Uh, we're also going to talk about it, too. Their description is kind of odd for what you would think of, like, government G-men at the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's not the kind of government men, like, honestly, at that time, if the government, you know, if agents were coming to visit you, you would expect Mormon-looking dudes to come <laughs> visit your home. Well, yeah, you know? here's the other thing. At this time in the government, I mean, I can't say for sure, but I would put money. They probably did not have very many foreign people <laughs> working yeah. with any branch of the government. <laughs> Oh, definitely. And that's that's what I'm actually going to get into right now. Okay. Uh, one odd thing about Robert's description of the second pair of men that visited him is how he thought that both of these men were foreign, with one of them actually speaking with an accent, when at the time, you would be very hard pressed to find a foreign born federal agent at all, especially at a time when there was a fear of communist incursions fear of the outsider. We were, you know, in a lot of wars against foreign countries at the time. You might not even find a lot of Western European, you know, immigrants who come in to the agency, especially having a hard time finding men with dark complexion and accents. Uh, it was mostly a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, uh, possibly Catholic, though they really didn't like the Catholics that much either. So Yeah, yeah, I... Post World War II, any uh, Eastern European, I I think they might have been a little weary of them. Here's a quick fun fact: so a coworker of mine had taken a trip to Utah. Okay, I a lot of Mormons in this episode, and apparently she had <laughs> there was this really cool looking church, and they went inside, and I guess mass was going on, but they didn't realize it, and she took a picture. Catholics are getting crafty, Phil. Now you can just like scan your card and give them a donation. It's that simple. Mm. They can't like plead the cash out of you, but the like Jesus credit card machine, like it had a little <laughs> cardboard cut out of Jesus in front of it. You just scan your card and give them money and then that's it. Easy okay, as pie. Okay, so I was... I was a little worried that you were saying that they had wandered into a Mormon temple. Because no, if they no, wandered no. into a Mormon temple, like during a church service and took a picture, I don't know if you would actually be speaking to that person again. <laughs> <laughs> I told her, I was like, damn, you're lucky you didn't become a sister wife. <laughs> exactly. That's what yeah. I was just thinking. Like, I think your friend might have become a sister wife. <laughs> I'm going to ask her tomorrow and be like, are you a fucking double agent for the Church of LDS, you son of a bitch? <laughs> definitely yeah <laughs> there's uh, there's mormon temples in the metro area of phoenix that like non-mormons are not allowed to go into they had there's one temple that i've heard of where they had a grand opening where they allowed non-mormons to come in since then like completely door shut policy no one comes in except for not even you can't even come in if you're like a just a normal mormon you have to be like an up there mormon like a 30 oh. percent stipend mormon wow okay yeah i wonder how big the bike rack is outside of those temples <laughs> <laughs> who knows well you know it's uh it's <laughs> anyone going to that temple has a car so it's <laughs> um it's not those it's not those poor mission bastards. So back to this here real quick. It, do you have any plausible reason why 
the men in black appeared as dark complexion foreign people. No, that's just who he claimed showed up. Okay. All right. I, I, I mean, this is kind of getting into where they start looking a little bit different than um, this is the between story between last episode and what's about to come next. Kind gotcha. Of okay. All right. So they're starting to look different. Um, it is the late 60s. So we're kind of getting into the time when it starts getting different. Like, oh, it's not just these men who come ask me questions. They're not just odd anymore. Now they're starting to become like strange. So gotcha. Okay. All right. Now, after the two men had finished their attempts to gaslight Robert, they then asked him to hand over that piece of metal that he had found at the scene of the crash, which he thought was odd because only he, his wife, and the two ARPO investigators assigned to his sighting and the crash actually knew about the chunk of metal. When he told them that the metal was off being studied and that he had no longer had it in his possession, they became enraged and threatened him telling him that if you want your wife to stay as pretty as she is, then you better get the medal back. Wow. Okay. They're giving off some Jehovah's Witness energy right now. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, holy shit. So they, for this piece of metal, they are threatening to literally beat his wife to a pulp. Apparently. Yeah, they're okay. threatening that uh, they're going to beat her or she's going to have some kind of accident. Uh just like before, though, vague threats. Yeah. Um. I wonder what the fuck if. OK, assuming this is real, you know, we have to, on you know, sometimes just let our mind go. Take what, off our skeptic hats. Yes. What yep. could this piece of metal possibly be that they want it back so bad they're threatening to, you know, beat the shit out of his wife? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of kind of ideas about what these spacecraft might be made out of, you know, some kind of metal, you know, who knows, something that is an alloy that we couldn't possibly attempt to create, some kind of alloy that has properties that we've never seen before in metal, uh, kind of like, you know, the Terminator, <laughs> T2, <laughs> the T-1000, that kind of shit, liquid metal. You know, you always hear about stories of... UFO crashes where they pick up a piece of metal, they crumple it up in their hands, let it go, and it comes back out into a flat piece of metal again. So. Okay. I got a Joe Rogan level thought here. So what if this metal, okay, they wanted it back because after about, let's say, 25, 30 years, it was going to hatch and form into a life form, and that life form became Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> That's why they didn't get this metal back. They needed to get it under wraps. Otherwise, they knew humanity was going to be doomed if Mark Zuckerberg formed out of this piece of metal. Potentially. Yes, it could. <laughs> it could have formed into the skull of Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah. Just a large, oddly shaped piece of metal <laughs> turned into a bulbous skull. Yeah. Yeah. That's a perfect way to describe that man. Bulbous. Bulbous. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Now, for the two men to have known about the metal, they would have either had to have read Robert's mind or had his phone bugged. Uh, apparently, he had had a few conversations with uh, the ARPO investigators over the phone. There may have also 
this could be possible. Maybe there was an inside source at ARPO. Uh, after the events of that night, Robert claimed that he never gave the medal to anyone. Uh, even after going public with the story, he would never hear from or be threatened by those two men again. And his wife was completely fine. And as for the medal that he had supposedly collected and had sent off to be tested, I couldn't find any article, any story, any video online where it actually said like that medal ended up. So he claims to have never given them or, you know, sent them the medal. But I, you know, maybe he kept it. It's buried with him or something. I, I don't even know if he's dead. He was a young man at that time. So. <laughs> he was in his 20s in 1970. So he maybe is like, what, in his 70s or 80s now? Yeah. Yeah. Still a spry young man. Um, <laughs> well, first off, let's just say in the, the history of this show, anybody associated with a UFO group, um, I would I would call them, you know, not to be too derogatory, but I would say they have loose lips. Okay, so if he gave him this medal, there's no way in fucking hell they're not telling everybody. That'd be oh, my guess. Definitely. Yeah. Great yeah. point. Great point. Yeah, definitely. It's gonna be on the fucking news if they find anything even a little bit weird about it. Most definitely. Yeah. And I'm sure maybe these two guys were from a rival. Uh, UFO group, I don't know, and they wanted the alien medal for themselves, I don't know. <laughs> just, you're thinking of just gangs of ufologists, just yeah, yeah. <laughs> wearing their white t-shirts with their pack of cigarettes rolled up in their arms. Just... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who the hell else could these people be? Combing their greasy hair. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Them and MUFON are in gang war of the century <laughs> i think we need to bring Fighting over the same girl <laughs> we need to bring back the greaser gangs man i <laughs> they had some sort of a pizzazz about them yeah now all you have is kids just hanging out in the street trying to get hit by cars yeah <laughs> you need to tell those kids here's what you do when you see those kids get like a box of pomade one of those switchblade combs and just be like kids <laughs> put this in your hair continuously comb it and do not run out in front of my car. <laughs> okay. Some lucky strikes. Tell them, to get, lucky tell strikes them to get, join a life of crime. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. these kids are, these kids are 14. They're probably about a year or two away from their lives of crime. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't know if greasers really did much crime. They just like street raced and had really weird ways to cat call women. True. Yeah, of course, that was in uh, the cinematic version or, you know, the Hollywood view of what these gangs were. In real life, I'm sure these gangs were some, you know, yeah. normal gang activity that we think of you yeah. know, today. Yeah, that so. is true. That is very true. <laughs> now, next story. On September 11th, 1976, Dr. Herbert Hopkins, who had been spending the night studying UFO incidents in his home, claimed to have received a phone call from a man who identified himself as a representative of a New Jersey UFO research organization, asking if he was alone and if they could meet in order to discuss the details of his research. Dr. Hopkins would agree and turn around and go to the porch to turn on the light and wait for the arriving visitor though he was shocked to see that he was already making his way up the back porch staircase. There was no lights from a car that may have dropped him off 
or any that he might have taken himself. Apparently, he just kind of showed up at his door. Also, you got to remember for the time, it's not like he had a cell phone. He was on the phone and then just right there. Yeah, I would say this is a perfect like intro to a scary movie. (laughs) I yeah. First off, I mean, I mean, I I know it was a different time in the seventies, but if someone calls like, "Hey, can you meet me on the back porch?" (laughs) I'm gonna say doesn't sound like a great idea, dude. Yeah, in the you did a lot of true crime research. You know how people were back then. Yeah. Hitchhikers, just picking people up. Yeah, mixing it up on the road and shit like that. It was a very different time back then. And the 70s was like one of the most violent fucking decades, <laughs> uh, you know, probably outside of World War II. Um, like, Jesus Christ. They didn't know that. That, that shit is didn't true. make the fucking news. That is true. <laughs> This point, no, keep it quiet. We want everyone to sleep well at night while a murderer is out on the. Doctor Herbert's probably like, I bet this is just like a really hot chick who wants to come have sex with me because of my cool <laughs> UFO research. <laughs> probably, yeah, I'm pretty sure he knew it wasn't uh, a chick on the other line. But yeah, they were it, the things that they actually worried about back then were crazy compared to what was really killing them. <laughs> yeah yeah very true not We're... to mention their fucking lifestyle <laughs> my dad my dad talks about growing up eating lard sandwiches <laughs> yeah yeah it's probably why there's a lot of you know heart attacks diabetes and all of that yeah we're actually the suckers. We're going to live into our hundreds. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> now, just like Robert Richardson from the previous story, Dr. Hopkins let the man write in, not getting any information from the man, not even his name, in spite of the fact that he was alone at his home and there was actually a history of criminal activity in the area that he lived in. He would listen to him throughout the night without care of the situation that he was in, as if he had been put into a trance by this strange visitor. Okay, either, yes, he's in a trance, or Dr. Hopkins has a fucking death wish, or maybe, I maybe I don't know, maybe Dr. Hopkins is a serial killer, and he's welcoming <laughs> these people into his house. A potential victim into his home. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. is home alone doing UFO research at night. Maybe he just likes the company, you know? <laughs> Very true. He's like, oh my God, somebody wants to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> A gentleman of his years, you know, just like <laughs> I, he's tired of cornering people at the grocery store. I just want to say, guys, to put this in perspective, this is what people did before they had like online gaming or whatever to talk to people. Yeah, well, you go to a gym and you see the old man in the the you know gym bathroom just standing <laughs> there naked. Yeah, old men used to just congregate in the bath, or men, younger men too, probably back then used to just congregate in the men's room and just you know hang out, that sort of shit. They don't oh even think it's God. weird. You know what? Um, real quick tangent here. I want anybody, if Phil, you, or any of our fans. Let me know if you've watched the show Naked Attraction on Max. It's mm. British, and they yep. have fully nude people. It's like a dating show, and they start from the bottom up. So they just have dicks and vaginas just hanging out, and the people are, like, discussing them. 
And I'm just like, this is... I watch one episode, I'm like, I don't think I can do this. This is fucking weird. I've So I've heard of the show. Is it blurred? I've never watched it. I've heard of the show. I do have Mac. Not is blurred. Is it blurred out? It is not blurred. Oh, it is not blurred. Okay, no. so on all the commercials, it's blurred. So I thought it was like naked, naked and afraid, where it's just all blurred out. Oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Interesting. Yeah, okay. like, the, I guess the one good thing is, like, they're all exceedingly normal people. Like, um, there's no fucking supermodels with giant-ass dicks up there. It's just me, you, plain Jane motherfuckers. <laughs> and honestly, they only say nice things to about the people. So, the, you That's know. That's nice. Yeah, so it's a, I think it's kind of a positive show, but... uh. As an American who, like, you know, nudity and stuff's kind of, like, taboo, it's weird to watch. Yeah, Britain's a little weird. So they're right next door to Europe. There's a a shit ton of nude beaches, obviously, um, all over Europe. It's kind of, it's not something that you really see at British beaches, but they're used to going over and being at those clothing optional beaches. So it's a little weird. They're willing to be in that situation like outside of their country, like a like a win in Rome situation, but like at home, it's not something that they're gonna have like at their beaches. Though their beaches are really shitty. There's no, they're rocky beaches, cold water. <laughs> you don't really want to be there. Anymore. Well, I mean, when we were when I was visiting you there and we were watching TV, like there's just fully naked people on there. Like it wasn't a big deal. Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like they're a lot more. Oh com- yeah, they're a lot more comfortable with you know, accepting of their bodies, I guess. Yeah, we're we're going quite off the rails here, but definitely, yeah, they, uh, they kicked all of their crazy people out of the country, and they all ended up in America. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's yeah. why. Yeah. They're so, not, it's not that big of a deal to them. So, so. Uh, we'll get back here in one second. Just, guys, if you watch the show and you follow me on Instagram, uh, just send me a message and <laughs> tell me what you thought of it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Now, Dr. Hopkins would describe the man as wearing a very, you know, he's smartly dressed, wearing a neatly tailored black suit. He was bald and apparently had no eyebrows or eyelashes. He had smooth, plastic-like white skin with ruby red lips. His speech was expressionless and monotone, almost robotic in nature. Dr. Hopkins' dog actually barked when he entered the home and when he came in, hid in the closet with its tail between its legs. During their conversation, the man wiped his lips with his gray suede gloves. And Dr. Hopkins noticed that the man's lips were smeared after the wipe, with his gloves becoming stained with red lipstick. Okay. This is creepy. Um, yep. So this picture... And if you- Go ahead. Yeah, this picture. I'm assuming you didn't draw this. No, I didn't draw okay. this. I, fu- I found it. Okay. Yeah. Um, the picture here kind of looks like I can't remember the guy's name, but he's like an actor on the original Hills Have Eyes. And uh, if you saw a picture of him, you'd know who he is. But uh, he has like no eyebrows, a big ass head and just bright ass lips. But um, <laughs> I mean, could it be possible this guy? individual just liked wearing lipstick potentially yes i don't know uh many dudes who ran around looking like powder back then (laughs) you know um 
uh, it kind of reminds me there was uh there was a guy I was in the military with his name was uh his last name was anus a-n-n-i-s <laughs> we called him anus of course uh <laughs> kind of looked like him he was uh a man of the ginger persuasion okay let's just say. <laughs> okay okay um i i'm gonna send you the picture of the guy i think it looks like and i want you to see if you agree or disagree okay so the picture I just linked to you is actor Michael Berryman. Does it not okay. look like your men in black? Yes, it does. And I will say uh, you're not going to recognize the name, but you do recognize the face. He is in many. Yeah, movies. he very distinct face. I hope he yeah. found a nice lady who who appreciates him. <laughs> Who appreciates the all the character acting work that he gets? Because <laughs> yeah. he's in a ton of stuff. So yeah. lots of uh, lots of nice paychecks, I'm guessing, coming in. So good for him, though. He good made it. Him. He made it work. Good for him. Now, after getting everything that he wanted from Doctor Hopkins, the man decided that he would change his subject. Uh, Doctor Hopkins would be informed by the man that there were two coins in his pocket and asked him to remove one. Dr. Hopkins then took one of the coins from his own pocket and held the shiny penny in the palm of his hand. The man then told Dr. Hopkins to watch the coin. After a few moments, the coin took on a silver appearance and then began to fade and eventually disappeared entirely. After that little magic trick, the man then suggested to Dr. Hopkins that he should go ahead and destroy all of his research and not go forward with any further investigating, lest something like what happened to the coin happened to him. Then, all of a sudden, the man would appear to be losing energy, and he would also have trouble speaking. He slowly rose from the chair that he had been sitting in, and in a slurred tone, told Dr. Hopkins, My energy is running low. Must go now. Goodbye. He walked straight to the door. He entered through and made his way down those stairs, clinging to the railing. He climbed down as if he was having extreme difficulty. Okay, I just found a line I'm going to use whenever I'm at a social event and I want to go home. <laughs> My energy is running low. Must go now. Goodbye. Um, so here You must not be Irish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You I just, just don't say out. anything. <laughs> um, it's the best. <laughs> be like, Where the f no, here's the thing I have noticed. If you do it enough, people just are like, oh, that's just what he does. Like, they're not like, they oh, really they're, being, do. they're not. He's not being rude. That's just that's just what he does. Um, Here's what I'm wondering, I, though. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I didn't even know what the Irish goodbye was until one of my buddies from Philly uh, said, dude, you are the fucking king of Irish goodbyes. <laughs> you will leave whenever you feel like it. <laughs> you got fucking places yeah. to be. You ain't got time for this bullshit. Um, yeah. So here's what I'm wondering. Did the coins magically appear in his pocket or were they in there and the guy knew? From what I was reading, I think the coins were just in his pocket. Okay. Uh, he just had two coins. The, so the weird thing on you know to begin with is this man knew that there were two coins in his pocket. He said, take one of them. He pulled it out. It was a penny. It turned silver. Then it faded, and then it disappeared. It's just weird that he did the magic trick to kind of threaten him or threaten him or hypnotize him. I'm not really sure. And he underestimated the amount of energy it was going to take to do this. Yep. And then he kind of just like, 
was like, oh, fuck, I overdid it. I got to I gotta get out of here. <laughs> Be like, buddy, if making that penny disappear nearly puts you on your ass, I think I'll be just fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to toss your skinny ass around my apartment like nothing. <laughs> Dr. Hopkins is probably like, my mother's upstairs. Can you make her disappear too, please? <laughs> <laughs> my mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's It's very strange that the guy's just like, I, I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. Like, I think even Chris Angel's endurance is better than that when a, he does a magic trick. Oh, yeah. I have noticed that he's always verklumsed after yeah. <laughs> after a little bit of magic. This will come up in the second part of the story, too. They never, it you know, they never, like, meander. It's never kind of like the human way of, like, you know, kind of like walking towards something, but they're like walking around a little bit, walking around objects. It's always A to B. And if something's in my way, get it the fuck out of my way because I'm A to B. They're A to B all the time. It's They kind of highlight how he walks. He doesn't like walk around. He just walks straight to his objective. And that's for mm. this story. In the next story, those guys are different. They meander apparently, but... Yeah, I guess that is an interesting aspect where they're just like, it's just a beeline yep. out of his fucking house. Yeah, the next, like the second part of this story, like very much highlights to the extent that it is A to B for these people. So, huh. all right, well, let's continue on. Dr. Hopkins would kind of like wake up from the trance that he was in after the stranger had left. He ran to the door, kind of like watch him leave. And he noticed a bluish white bright light shining down the street. Hopkins then ran out onto the front porch, uh, though he didn't see a car coming to pick him up or leaving. He only saw the stranger walking towards the hedges, vanishing out of sight when he got to the bushes. So do you think this is like a tractor beam type thing? Like uh, maybe not a crap, but like something sucking this guy up? Well, I had two thoughts about it. It could either be uh, like a transporter, like from Star Trek, or a cloaked ship. Because he's walking towards ah. the hedges, and once he gets towards the bushes, he just kind of vanishes. So maybe there was a cloaked ship there? Yeah, I guess that could be. Um, yeah, I don't. it'd have to be a pretty small one if it's like, well, I guess we don't know where this guy lives, but I would assume it's in a city somewhere. Yeah, we don't know exactly how big his yard is, I guess. But it's one of those things where, like, the strange thing is it's not like someone's coming to pick him up or, you know, he's, like, running off. He just kind of wanders into the bushes and vanishes before his eyes. Huh. Okay. So, I mean, just judging from this initial interaction, the intimidation or, you know, uh, hypnosis, I guess... I'm going to guess didn't work. Well, I mean, it it actually, we'll, we'll get into it. It okay. kind of did work for him. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Now, after this visitation, Dr. Hopkins would be left in total fear. He would even grab a gun for protection. He then promptly destroyed all of the evidence that he was studying and had gathered on the subject of UFOs and alien teleportation. Hopkins would later find out, see, teleportation right there. Uh -huh. Hopkins would later find out that the organization that the man had claimed to have belonged to didn't actually exist. 
And even though he never met the stranger face to face ever again, he began having massive problems with his phone. Uh, He would pick it up only to find the line dead or filled completely with static after it had been ringing. People who had been attempting to call him began to complain that he would never answer his phone. And if anyone ever did, it was someone else's voice entirely, claiming that the number was out of service and did not call again. When a caller would get through, the call would break up in the middle of the conversation, with the call eventually being dropped. He did alert his phone company about this, though they could never find out really what was happening, only determining that his phone was definitely being tampered with in some way. Okay, so maybe this guy was... Well, this whole thing is reminiscent of when we talk shit about our ISPs, and then problems start to occur. I don't know, maybe he had a beef with like AT&T or whatever (laughs) telecom or whatever fucking thing existed back then. Maybe this was one of the evil motherfuckers that worked at MCI who used to call you (laughs) like right during dinner and try to get you to sign up for long distance. Okay, here's my question though. So if he did, he basically did what the guy wanted him to do, burned all his shit. Why would they still be fucking with his phone if the, he did what they wanted? Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, maybe just kind of a continued intimidation sort of situation. Maybe they were still monitoring him. So maybe they weren't quite done with him yet. You think they would want to listen to his phone calls, not just make it so he can't receive them. <laughs> Fuck with his phone so bad that they weren't coming through anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I I don't know. It seems like a very weird tactic, or at least, I mean, let's be realistic. Even the United States government had better phone taps than this. Yeah, you're searching through someone's trash, and you want to be covert about what you're doing, what you're looking for. But instead of, like, digging through their trash, you just pick it up, dump it upside down all over their yard, and then just weave it there. Yeah. With the fucking, with the wheelie bin just fucking on its side. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm not real sure about this one here. Definitely. So a couple of weeks later, Dr. Hopkins' daughter-in-law, Maureen, would receive a similar phone call from a man who had claimed to know her husband, John. Uh, the man asked if he and a companion could come visit them. She actually agreed, uh, and her husband, John, met the man and his partner at a restaurant before bringing them both home with him afterwards. Both he and his female partner appeared to be in their 30s and wore very old-fashioned clothes for the time. The woman looked particularly odd. When she stood up, it seemed as if there was something wrong with the way that her legs had joined her at the hips. Both of them walked with very short, choppy steps, leaning forward awkwardly, as if they didn't know how to walk at all. While in the living room, the man began asking John about his father and mother, and what kind of reading materials his parents had had. Uh, If they watched television, he would ask more and more odd and personal questions, much more than a normal person would ask or care to even know. Okay, so again... If Herbert destroyed all the evidence, why are they harassing his kids now? Or, well, I guess his son and daughter-in-law. Yeah, you'll you'll start to find that maybe these two are from the B-team. 
Ah, um, okay. It's, it's gonna get a little. It's gonna get a little weird. Okay, yeah. all right. Problematic, if you will. <laughs> so as they sat awkwardly together on the sofa, the male would start to fondle the female oh companion, God. asking Maureen's husband John if he was doing it right, and it seemed as if they were actually playing couple. Uh, for the first time, and kind of wanted to get a little bit of feedback on it. Uh, after her husband, John, had inexplicably left the room, the strange man began acting very inappropriately towards Maureen, asking her to come and sit next to him on the sofa, then asking her about her body and whether she had had any nude photographs of herself that she would like to share with him. Shortly afterwards, the woman stood up and announced that she wanted to leave. The man also stood up. But he didn't make any move to go towards the door or anywhere else. He was actually between the woman and the door. And it seemed like the only way that she wanted to actually get to the door was walking in a straight line, though the man was blocking her. Finally, the woman would turn to John and ask, Please help me. I can't move him myself. Then suddenly the man walked out the door. Followed closely behind by the women, they both walked in an extremely straight line, not even saying goodbye or anything else. Just booked it out of there. Um, okay, okay. So the last part's kind of weird. The first part gives off, like, <laughs> swinger vibes or something. Um, yeah. Weird. It just is such a thing where this advanced civilization, advanced people... They can teleport. They can fly ships a million miles an hour, but they can't figure out how humans have sex. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, how how does this happen? Bullet point number one on the agenda after they've traveled millions of light years is how do humans? F it's always, <laughs> that's always point number one, isn't it? Yeah. Do you think maybe this is why? We haven't seen quite as many aliens recently because they found out Pornhub and X videos and now they <laughs> can kind of understand how any gender breeds with each other. They just downloaded the entire library hub and then they instantly just seize out on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> My energy seems to be low. Yeah. Can you imagine like one of those sci-fi things where people absorb information really fast? And they, so they did that to an alien with every single porn video on Pornhub. <laughs> Definitely. They're like, yeah. we got to get the fuck out of here. Humans are fucked up. I didn't know what's wrong with stepmoms and stepsisters and stepdads, but something's fucked up here. Yeah, definitely. Now, this series of MIB encounters definitely crosses that line into the weirder side of seeing these odd human-like people, I guess you call them, just kind of come into your life and, you know, really mix things up. I should also mention, too, that the strange things that the doctor had seen about uh, his individual, you know, the same kind of weird facial features and everything that uh, Maureen and her husband had seen. It happens when either one or a group of these pseudo-men with their physical appearances, like, kind of just you know, seeming just a little odd at first. However, after a short while in their presence, the witness will notice many odd features that don't quite match what their cognitive like image of a human really should look like. Having eyes that don't blink. The total absence of any facial hair, 
eyelashes, head hair, or even skin pores. The lips appear to be painted on. Movement and speech that seem more robotic than human. Odd mannerisms and etiquette that would rival the most sheltered homeschooled kid. And clothing that's decades behind current fashion. I kind of think about it as kind of like when you're in a store and you see a mannequin out of the corner of your eye and you think it's a human. But then like when you look over at it, you get the feeling right away like, no, no, that's just a human looking piece of plastic, basically. What I took out of what you just said here, Phil, was an amalgamation of what it is like to date when you're in your upper 30s. Um, (laughs) You find a man or woman on a dating app and some of these issues that you just listed here will probably appear in in your date. That is uh, dating at our ages, Phil. Yeah, you said a man or a woman. Sometimes in late 30s, if you're on a date, you might find a little bit of both in them. So it's a, <laughs> it's a little weird. Yeah, definitely. Just hopefully they don't have 14 cats. That's well, that's all I'm asking you know, for. That, that, that's what that's Phil's one deal breaker. 14 <laughs> or 13 or less cats or it uh, this ain't going to work out. Yeah, they show up wearing an ankle bracelet telling you that they're out for the weekend. I'm fine with that. Finding out that when they are out permanently, they're going to go home to f***ing cats. And yeah, that's pretty much it. At work, we were looking at Write a Prisoner. And I was looking at (laughs) some of the ladies on there. And I got to say, you know, interesting uh, characters. Interesting characters. Yeah. Their profile reads like they're not actually in jail. It's quite fascinating. Like they're more at camp or at rehab yeah. kind of they're situation. They're like, God, I'm super outgoing. I'm super adventurous. I love <laughs> to go sightseeing. I'm like, well, you you can't really do that right now, can you? <laughs> it's weird. I never noticed it before, but I love the outside. Yeah. Anywhere outside of these bars. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. Scrolling through Instagram, you, de- you do see some of those... Uh, hot girl mug shots yeah <laughs> immediately yeah. on the caption is always i know i can fix her <laughs> <laughs> yeah for men and women if you have that problem you need to identify it because it's a problem yeah you might need a little therapy yourself yeah. so yeah Don't- or if if you really want to date them save the therapy money for them because <laughs> maybe we should Maybe we should post pictures of men in black and then put the caption, we can fix them. We can. <laughs> yeah. That one up. That one up top. Yeah, yeah. We can fix them. We can fix them. <laughs> now, our third story for this episode is quite possibly one of the most famous men in black sightings of all time, as this one actually comes with something that nearly all other alleged MIB encounters are horribly lacking. And that is video evidence. This video evidence taken of odd looking men with the security camera footage being picked apart and studied relentlessly for more than a decade now. And I am, of course, talking about the UFO sighting and subsequent MIB encounter at the Sheraton Falls View Hotel in Niagara Falls, Canada. This happened in October of either 2008 or 2009, depending on the article you read. It's odd. You would think they would have it pinned down, but (laughs) it's about 50-50, well, maybe about 70-30, 70% 2009, 30% 2008. 
Well, you're you you gotta understand the Sheraton Falls View Hotel. Um, you know, dates aren't really relevant to them. Um, so <laughs> is this It's always about five years in the past, yeah. just like Iowa. <laughs> I'm surprised this isn't fucking Iowa. Uh so is this the famous video of like the two dapper looking men kind of like walking through the entrance and it's like a security cam footage yes it is okay. the video that everyone's okay this is on like the intro of every fucking ufo show oh yes definitely if they're talking about any article talking about mib a screenshot of this is on their banner okay so i i don't know much about the story itself so i'm looking forward to hearing it all right on october 14th a security guard at the Sheraton Falls View Hotel approached the manager, Shane Savar, and told him that the authorities were either looking for someone who had jumped into the falls, or there was a UFO just outside of the hotel. The two men went to the window and looked out, allegedly seeing a triangular UFO just over the falls with a bright light shining down. And that's kind of an amalgamation of the sighting. There's a lot. Sometimes they're outside. Sometimes Shane sees it first. It's kind of a weird thing. So I just kind of pumped it all together. Okay. So someone said either there's a UFO or someone jumped off the falls. Yes, because so this hotel overlooks Niagara Falls. So he saw a bright light and an object over the falls. He must have thought it was like a searchlight from a helicopter or something or a UFO. Okay. I'm guessing that's kind of what he was getting. I thought he was like, oh, it's a suicide jumper taking a selfie before he hit the ground or something. Like, <laughs> I, I'm like, I don't know how the fuck he gets those confused. But now that, okay, this, this makes more sense. It's a Instagram influencer yeah. just trying to get to a million. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, the Aerial Phenomenon Investigation Team would be called in and begin investigating the claims. Though, after only a couple of weeks, the team apparently would have something new to investigate, as two tall men wearing black suits and fedoras walked into the Sheraton Falls View Hotel. Apparently, looking for the security guard and for Shane Savar, uh, there was three witnesses who claimed to have either seen or interacted with these strange men. They would claim that the men had some very odd features. Also, the security camera that faced the front door of the hotel would capture these strange men entering the building. Some of their movements meandering about in the front of the lobby. Were they? Did they come and be like, hello, m'lady, I'm looking for Shane Savar. How are you? <laughs> m'lady. <laughs> Um, hey, bitch, what's up? <laughs> you got any nude photographs? Yeah. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, okay. Am I, am I doing it right? <laughs> so I'm really curious if, like, they have any idea about the identity of these people at all. I don't know if you're going to get into that, but, like, do you know what I mean? So there was a pretty big... Whenever... I'll go into this right now. Here's some of the ideas have to be a hoax. So the video didn't come out until a few years after the alleged incident and ah. more video that could have came out supposedly was held back to protect the identity of the witnesses who like interacted or met these men in black. Okay. Uh, huh. yeah. Okay. Interesting. 
But I, yeah, uh, I guess that would probably make the most sense. But uh, the video is so weird. I guess I haven't watched it like really up close. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a weird video. But yeah, I don't think if they saw a fucking triangle UFO. And then this happens, they'd be like, oh, let's just wait a few years before we tell anybody. Yeah, it was. So from what I was reading was um, like one of the investigative teams apparently is the one who leaked it, supposedly. In the articles that I read for how it was a hoax, they didn't say the the group that I mentioned. They mentioned like another group or it was the same group, but they mentioned like another name for the group. So that's kind of it's like the telephone effect of like little things changing and becoming different. Yeah. You're just trying to like collage it, like piece it all together. So but that is the supposed reason why only one video exists. Apparently there's more video, but they don't want to give away the identity of the other people who were in the lobby when this happened. It doesn't make sense because the technology to blur things out existed. <laughs> yeah. Then, you know. A 14-year-old kid could blur out a fucking person in a video today. Like, you know what I mean? Today, you could do a fuck... You could pull a Joseph Stalin and cut someone completely out of every photo they've ever been in. Yeah. Yeah. I like, mean... The technology exists for that now. Yeah. Maybe, um... I don't know. I don't know. Maybe... It'd be awesome if there's more videos, but... As of right now, I am leaning towards... I doubt it. Oh, yeah. Like this story, I'm leaning towards skeptic just because everything's so convenient. Uh, I'll get into it. Okay. All so, right. Now, obviously, uh, you've already seen this video, so I'm not going to direct. It's very famous. We've both seen it multiple times. Getting on with the story. Apparently, the two strange men, after walking in through the doors, approached one of the hotel's bellhops, asking for Shane Sauvere or the security guard who had also witnessed that UFO. The bellhop told them that neither of the two men were in that day, though it seemed like the two strangers didn't really believe him as they both continued to just kind of meander around the lobby, trying to locate the men that they had come to visit. According to the bellboy, the two men were the exact same height, wore matching black suits, black trench coats, and fedoras. Also, they both had pale plastic-like skin, and no facial hair. Huh, okay. Do people actually talk to bellhops? I, this seems like <laughs> kind of a weird, weird thing. Um, he was probably more surprised about that. Yeah. Holy shit, someone treated me like a human being. Yeah, yeah. Like, wow, these guys aren't from around here. They acknowledge my existence. Um, yeah, I... Maybe they might even give me a dollar. <laughs> so, if they didn't believe him... Are you going to unveil like Shane was hiding in the back or something? No, the two men were not there. Okay. All right. Well, that's yeah. kind of convenient. Yeah. If they were there, the dude probably would have been like, yeah, they're in or something. It's a bellhop. He makes, you know, tips. He doesn't, <laughs> doesn't give a fuck. No, he would reveal Shane's location. <laughs> yeah. Stab him once for me. Yeah. <laughs> the manager of the. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Uh, after speaking with the bellhop, the two men made their way to the tourist desk, where the woman who was working behind the desk was then questioned by these two strange-looking men. She would claim the next day to Shane that these strangers terrified her and everyone else in the lobby who had seen them. 
giving a similar description of them that the bellboy gave, though she would add that the two men appeared to be wearing wigs. They both had hypnotizing eyes, and neither of them blinked once during her interaction. Also, she told Shane Sauvier that she believed fully that these two men were capable of reading her mind. Huh, okay, I wonder how she would know that. Or is she just leaning on like, it was just a, I felt like they're reading my mind. I think it's more like, I, I felt like they were reading my mind. She even kind of, in one of the articles I read, she was talking about how she was trying to think of something else just so that they wouldn't pick up anything on him, the guy that they're, you know, on Shane or the security guard, almost trying to like block them out. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. It kind of makes you wonder, you know, obviously I don't really know, even in the psychic world, if there's like people who read people's minds or whatever. But uh, you would think if if humans got to that point where they could speak telekinesis or, you know, through telekinesis or whatever. Oh, uh, telepathic. Telepathic. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Would it do you think it would feel like somebody's reading your mind? Like you feel like I a, mean, feel like a nagging thing of like somebody reading your thoughts. I w- that'd be kind of an interesting uh, guess we'd have to ask Joe Rogan, but. Um, <laughs> what he thinks about him, but <laughs> I bet Jeff Bezos can at least maybe not move a like coffee pot across the table, but he can wiggle it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet he's so. got the juice in there. I yeah, <laughs> with that fake fucking bulbous ass head of his, <laughs> bulbous ass forehead of his. <laughs> I saw oh, apparently, I, oh. <laughs> I saw a funny meme real quick. It was for bald people, maybe this. You can answer this. So you obviously, if you wash your face and you're bald, do you wash your head too and your face or just your face still? Um, ooh, that's a good question. So I cut my hair very short to the point where I just use body wash on my scalp as if it was just normal skin. Okay. All basically. Right. So I, uh, I, I save a lot of money in shampoo. Let's yeah. just say. <laughs> yeah. Big shampoo does not like you at all. No, well, big shampoo also is big body wash. So ah, I'm guessing they're just bastards. Blind. But <laughs> those assholes. <laughs> now, like we mentioned before, the security footage was first released in 2012. To many, this is regarded as maybe the biggest hoax in paranormal history. I'm also I also should say, in October 2009, apparently there was a kind of very famous instance where there was a mass sighting of a UFO. And this is kind of one of those beliefs where it's like they claim to have seen a UFO after the fact. And then to validify it, they added an MIB, kind of like we were talking about last week. Okay. Do you think the UFO part then could possibly be true? I mean, if they were working at this hotel the three years before, possibly, they might have seen it. But it is one of those things where I'm guessing after the story made its rounds, they kind of want to interject themselves. That's my that's my skeptic's cat. Okay. Uh, basically, is this is my thoughts on. So you type in October 2009 Niagara Falls and like that mass sighting will pop up as much as this pops up. You know what I mean? Honestly, before you started talking about this, the footage, I honestly, for the long, until now, I guess, I thought it was like from the 50s or 60s. 
No, it is apparently it's it from looks- the so the thing is, I will also say too, a lot of skeptics believe that this is just some random footage where two men of similar height and similar build and wearing similar clothes, who could even maybe be twins, walked into this hotel and they just used that footage and said it's men in black. So it could be from any time in the maybe two thousand or so. It doesn't it not look really old? It does, but you have to remember high definition for our TVs really only started in like, what was it? The late, like what, 2007, 2008, something yeah, like that. Yeah. It really only started to get popular. Security footage back then, even today, it's still not great. Back then, it was super fuzzy. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a very good point. You think nowadays you would have like 4K crystal clear security cameras, but they still always, always look like shit. You have to remember, the reason why businesses have security cameras is to pick up any instances where there could be a lawsuit or to figure out if their employees are stealing from them. That's yeah. all they care about. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. Yeah, they don't care about, you know, some random person running in and grabbing a, like a, a store. Doesn't care about some random person running and grabbing something off the shelves, stuffing it down their pants and running out the door. They'll let that go. It's the person who works there who's been stealing shit for months that they they want to get a good picture of. That is uh, that is a very good point, Phil. Now, while researching uh, this event, I did actually find a Shane Sauver on LinkedIn. Uh, he is the duty manager at the Sheraton Falls View Hotel and Conference Center in Niagara Falls. Apparently, he only has four followers and three connections on LinkedIn and no pictures. So I'm wondering if it's an old profile that he no longer uses because of the fame or it's a fake profile. But it was just a little odd because it was the first thing that popped up when I, I Googled Shane Sauver and the name of the hotel. It'd be weird if he was still working there. I, I mean, right? Yes. I people honestly, would be flocking any, there. working at a hotel for that long sounds like fucking hell. But, I can, I would hate to work at a hotel. But you know, after this shit came out, people would be flooding to that hotel to like talk to him. So oh, definitely, yeah. I imagine he would get sick of it. I'm surprised he only has three connections on LinkedIn. It's a little weird. You'd think someone would have found him by now. If you have LinkedIn, I don't have LinkedIn, but if you have LinkedIn, maybe pop him a friend like or something, whatever you do. <laughs> I sound like an 80-year-old man, a friend like. Maybe feel- <laughs> maybe connect with him on LinkedIn. That'd be nice. I don't know for sure, but it seemed like LinkedIn is where either people with really nice jobs flex on people or uh, yes. it's for networking. A little bit of both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, the last story we're going to get into involves a comedy legend, an outspoken believer in extraterrestrials. That would be actor Dan Aykroyd. Now, while he was filming a TV show called Out There with Dan Aykroyd in the early 2000s, he would actually have a little bit of an experience of his own. Now, the show Out There would actually feature experts kind of explaining situations of UFOs, putting on stories that highlighted extraterrestrial sightings, interactions, and abductions. Uh, While filming the last episode of the series, Dan Aykroyd would step outside to smoke a cigarette and make a phone call. It was then that he would notice a black Ford sedan parked across the street. Inside of the car were two very tall, blank-faced men staring at him menacingly. 
He actually looked away for only a second and claimed that when he looked back, the men had vanished without a trace. What kind of cigarette was he smoking? Um, so <laughs> it, yeah, I, I think I've kind of heard about this. It makes me wonder, you know, I love Dan Aykroyd, obviously, but it makes me wonder if he's filming this show and there's so many UFO shows like the fucking show Riker was on. I don't remember what that one's called. Fact or faked or some shit like that. Um, oh, yeah. You think he would be getting fucking harassed, but uh, I guess they didn't really do anything but just stare at him. Yeah, this wasn't a it was one of those like encounters of the like what <laughs> second kind or whatever when you just kind of it's not uh, they didn't come up to him. They didn't, you know, read his mind or show him any magic tricks. It was just kind of like a warning, like a menacing look, I guess. Not really. Uh, it's. Really, the reason why I kind of put it on last is it's kind of a fun story because Dan Aykroyd's yeah. in it. You know, you kind of get to hear it. And it kind of like, it's a nice mellow story. It's not quite as... Not as kooky know, as the... Uh, not as kooky as the other ones. Yeah, exactly. I hate to say this because, you know, celebrities can be a little wonky, but I feel like if any of these stories you're going to trust somebody, Dan Aykroyd would probably the mo be the most trustworthy out of all of these people. Yeah, I mean, some people talk about actors being paid, well. um, but I mean, Dan Aykroyd, when he talks, like, you believe him. Yeah. Like, anyone who's, like, looked into UFOs, extraterrestrials at all, you're gonna find, like, an interview with Dan Aykroyd, and, like, he speaks very passionately about the subject. Yeah, he has so. not backed down from any of it. Yeah, and apparently after this kind of, you know, I don't know if you would call it, I don't even know if you, like, they visited him. It's not even an interaction. It's a sighting, really. Yeah. Um, just kind of uh, shot across the bow, maybe. I also want to mention, I saw in one article, apparently he was talking to Britney Spears on the phone at the time. So that's <laughs> that's who he was supposedly talking to. I thought that was a little funny. Yeah, but, uh, Dan, I, you probably shouldn't be talking to a 16-year-old girl on the phone who <laughs> is going to go through a mental breakdown in the next few years. <laughs> You want to stay away from that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Go yeah. back and tell past Dan Aykroyd that. <laughs> I don't know how old she was in 2002, but. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm sure she was <laughs> at least 18 by then. So Aykroyd thought that this was a little strange, uh, mostly because in the direction that he was standing, he would have actually seen the vehicle leave as it was a one way street. Uh, after he had gone back inside to finish today's taping, he would actually receive a very strange kind of phone call that, you know, maybe made him think about the sighting more. Uh, the show was unexpectedly canceled. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I don't know, but that's weird. So yeah. if these were menacing government agents or whatever, I suppose they might have some pull in uh, Hollywood or whatever big TV, I guess. Yeah, especially when you hear that the show was going to be a sci-fi network. I imagine in 2002, the bag of money wouldn't need to be that large to get them to change directions. No, no. I mean, at this time, sci-fi, I mean, I haven't watched sci-fi in forever, but from what I remember, this was like Ghost Hunter's time, 
This was when they were starting to get into like the paranormal reality shows. So this would have been like right up their alley. Yeah, they were trans. I'm trying to remember what they had on. I do remember they had on shitty B movies, like B sci-fi movies. They had a lot of old. I'm trying to remember Outer Limits, that show. They had a lot of reruns of Outer Limits. Because that's what we mostly watched on if we watch a sci-fi show channel. You got to remember, too, this was back when it was spelled like S-C-I-F-I. It wasn't like S-Y-F-Y. Yeah. They didn't revamp it yet. This was the old days of sci-fi. This was when the History Channel still had history. (laughs) MTV still played music. Uh, Well, okay, let's not go that far. Um, (laughs) The So... Yeah, sci-fi, because I remember, because the only reason I watched sci-fi back then was because of Ghost Hunters. I I vividly remember Ghost Hunters. Um, I loved that show back then. And yeah, I I feel like they had a lot, like the, the paranormal reality was really starting to pick up steam. They hadn't quite gotten to the made-for-sci-fi corny ass fucking movies quite yet mm. like sharknado okay. lava uh, tarantula all that shit so you had you didn't have cable you had satellite obviously we had we had just gotten dish network at that time so i was just able like 2001 2002 to start watching that stuff so i don't i don't remember the pre i don't remember the days before then as much so well we had dish network um, my parents had Dish Network up until fucking like five years ago. Still, but when you when you were growing up, you had the big shout out. I think that was Dish Network. I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't have like cable until I moved into my very first apartment. I don't remember watching sci-fi a whole lot. No, it wasn't. It wasn't really worth watching at all. Uh, we'll we'll get along with this though. Okay. So the show out there with Dan Aykroyd would never appear on television or ever be put out on video or DVD, made available on the internet or streaming anywhere. This led to very large speculation in the UFO community that the Sci-Fi Network had been strong-armed into trashing the series and ultimately burying the footage, which to this day has never seen the light of day. Apparently, you cannot find like any episodes of this, any cuts, any anything. That's crazy, considering they put the fucking dumbass Jesse Ventura show on the air, but they wouldn't put this fucking show on. Like, I mean, if, if I guarantee you, if Sci-Fi Right Now released like a Blu-ray or something of this, or put it on the air, people would watch the shit out of it. Oh, oh yeah. Considering how much shitty hunting Bigfoot shows there are right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure out there with Dan Aykroyd would do just fine. Um, But we do know, we do have to say this. We do know that TV executives are well known for making terrible decisions when it comes to oh. either canceling a show too early or dragging a show out too long, or you know what I mean? Just look at Fox. Oh my That's the God. only example you need of ineptitude yeah. when it comes to showrunners. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or not showrunners, but being the fucking hand of God when it comes to like which shows get put on, or keeping a show in a time slot so people know when the fuck it's on. Goddamn Firefly 
Yeah, those yeah. assholes. Um, <laughs> quick question. So you have Max. Yeah. I know they got they ate up uh, Discovery Plus. So yeah. I think sci-fi shows are on Max right now. It's kind of hard to keep up with that shit, but yeah, I would imagine. In my mind, though, a lot of those shows are all about like they were all on the travel network, right? Yeah, that's all the paranormal stuff. Yeah, which is weird. You wouldn't think that the travel get all of the ghost hunter shows and the I, alien shit. I don't. But. Yeah, I don't know why that is, but uh, <laughs> I probably watch those more than any of the other TV shows. That's like my my Saturday nap show. I put on. Uh, paranormal caught on camera and i watch a little and then i take a nap <laughs> take your big boy nap yep, yeah yep. oh yeah 38 year old nap i love it <laughs> the fucking well it's just like the learning channel there hasn't been a fucking ounce of learning on the learning channel no absolutely <laughs> in 20 years not <laughs> fuck no now for the last part of this episode we're obviously gonna get into these might be and i believe you had one from last week that's really good if you want to kind of throw that one in at any point uh, i'm going to start off here with some bullets first off they are just basic human agents working for the government trying to silence witnesses what do you think about that one? um i would say this one is probably at the top of my list definitely I mine think, too i think obviously hiding ufo stuff or things like that's pretty well documented at this point with the, especially the u.s government can't speak for the rest of the world really but uh yeah they sweep this under the rug we're not really sure why but uh yeah i don't i don't know it uh it's hard to say if there's like a secret sect of the government to that intimidates people i i don't i don't know about that part but this would be my most likely one here yeah and just like all of my other uh you know, kind of lists like this, it goes from least crazy to most crazy. So th okay. to me, that is also my most plausible thing. These are just human agents coming in just to kind of, you know, silence the witness. Next up, a government psyop to make witnesses sound crazy using either uh, psychedelics, hypnotism, or some form of mind altering you know, material just to kind of get everyone to think like, oh, well, now all, you know, fruit of the rotted vine. Now everything they say is bullshit. Well, yeah, I, you know, um, I like this one, too, because if that is what they were trying to do, they have done it, done it. Uh, they've done an amazing job at it because, oh, yeah, this whole show is based on people who sound like they're fucking crazy. Well, I mean, we have said that the instances of people reporting men in black has gone down uh, like in recent years. Well, we kind of mentioned like, oh, the movie made it so it's a little passe. What if it was MK Ultra went out of style and so did men in black because they were, you know, tied together? Yeah, that could be too. Or with technology, they can just make any of your shit disappear if it's on anything digital connected to the internet they don't have to intimidate you you can just uh delete all that shit also too they don't have to bug your phone and stalk you anymore no now they have the internet no. you're just a targeted individual and they could i mean if we want to get really deep here if you have a person talking about ufos and people are getting behind them 
they could easily make those fucking fake burner accounts and just harass people over and over. Oh, definitely. Oh, that's what basically the Russian GDP is running off of right now. <laughs> fake burner accounts. Yeah. Yeah. That Entire is true. farms of people in there. Very yeah. true. Next up on the list, aliens, robots, or interdimensional beings threatening scene threatening witnesses of the paranormal. Uh whoever witnesses. Yeah. Um I mean this is I guess kind of the whole linchpin of what a men in black is or i think what a lot of people believe they are but yep. uh i just don't see the aliens caring enough yes it it's kind of like if you walked past this analogy has been used a billion times it's like if you walked past an anthill and were worried that the ants saw you and were wondering how you like you know walked upright or were wearing shoes or something like that you don't give a fuck about the anthill Aliens really probably don't really give a fuck about humans. They probably avoid us like it's the bad neighborhood. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I just, if they were seen, I don't, and they can, you know, tell how humans act. I really don't think they would care. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And the whole thing about like robots, um, that would be like more of a part of the alien type situation. Like these are robots kind of sent by the aliens to seem human but they're not doing a very good job of it all of it really stems from like these are <laughs> either aliens robots or interdimensional let's call them demons trying to seem human but being like not doing a very good job of it yeah looking yeah. like powder wearing lipstick <laughs> like most of the uh politicians oh definitely yeah. yeah all right next on the list time traveling human Basically, humans who have super evolved into what they think that we might evolve into, which is kind of like hunched over, uh, very docile and weak uh, people. And they're coming back in time to either, you know, who knows, fucking take our DNA, mate with us, or just kind of see how we live and what we do, that sort of thing. Yeah, I suppose this is, uh, this is, that's almost like a grand theory of aliens altogether right time traveling human yeah and also too you would think that the time traveling humans they would not like any human that witnessed like a group of like a time traveling ship a time ship or whatever it is if you if you witness that you would think that they would come back and try to get the person to not ever tell anyone about or you know neutralize them yeah yeah i yeah i I don't know. This is an interesting one. I don't, again, I feel like time traveling humans yep. dressing up as men in black would might be a waste of time when you have time traveling technology. Yeah, pretty much. Also, it involves time traveling. So it's just a tiny bit more crazy being aliens yeah. or interdimensional yeah. beings. Yeah. Though interdimensional travel might be just as crazy as time. So very true. Very true. But the most crazy and what always keeps just popping up, the simulation, trying to cover up their mistakes, uh, bringing in the programs to try to fix the Matrix. Pretty much the Matrix. I, um, you know, as time goes on, I'm getting more and more pro simulation theory, especially now that they fucked with Pokemon. Um, mm. I, you know, they've affected something that is buried in my mind in multiple children's minds who are now 
middle-aged adults. And <laughs> Sad middle-aged adults yeah. who remember Onyx spelled O-N-Y-X. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm just saying, we, I, do you know how much Pokemon, like Pokemon Blue, I had the blue one. I played so much of that. Like, I knew all 150. I didn't ever have an Onyx because he sucks, but yeah. you killed a million of them. I had him once because I wanted a group of dragon type, and he was the rock dragon type kind of deal. Yeah. He wasn't really a dragon type, but he might as well have been a dragon, the way he looked, you know? You know what I saw, actually? This is a little off track, but... um, Well, we're done with the episode, so yeah, just whatever. <laughs> the Someone, because they've been like kind of data mining uh older pokemon games and mm-hmm. they actually were planning on allowing raichu to evolve to a third pokemon um but they i don't know they decided not to for some reason oh the people who made the game yeah wanted there to be a third evolution yeah oh, okay like People found it in the game files, and there's like one character you can talk to in the game that actually like kind of mentions it. They must have forgot to take out that line of dialogue. Um, Interesting. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. But anyway, so all well, right, I was gonna say, go ahead on that. Pikachu did kind of become the main Pokemon of that early first generation, and how many people like didn't evolve? Pikachu into Raichu just for that reason, just to keep a Pikachu around. That is true. Even though Raichu is like insanely stronger than fucking Pikachu was. Um, yeah. But uh, I do remember you had to wait till you learned all the moves because if you force evolved him, he would no longer learn any moves. So you had to wait till they're like level fucking like 60. No Thunderbolt for you. <laughs> no, no Thunderbolt. But uh, <laughs> okay, now that we got two episodes of Men in Black crazy at some sort of plausible stories mostly crazy ass stories how are you feeling about men in black did it change your mind at all one thing that i read that really stuck with me and this i mentioned this throughout the first episode and a little bit today um these men in black stories are they're ever evolving and they people keep upping the game upping the game it seems like with the men in black kind of visitations with the sightings also really just the fact that it seems like men in black sightings go along with ufo sightings to give the ufo sighting more validity yeah it gives it a little more put a little pepper on you know very true because the because if you have a ufo sighting nobody believes you and then you are getting harassed by somebody who actually knows that you saw a ufo and wants to shut you up yeah it's like yep doubling down on it but uh it what do you what do you think about the the men in black i mean i think yeah i kind of get what you're saying where it like helps validify your original story but there mm-hmm. is a part of me that like kind of believes in trying to quell any information about ufo stuff they might have had some Either it was the CIA or OSS when, you know, whatever, had some people to try to shut people up. Yeah. You know, I don't know if they're necessarily men in black, but I feel like the government would try to quell people. 
Yeah. Could be J. Edgar Hoover's yeah. uh, <laughs> G-Men out there. Yeah, exactly. I I don't know. It's uh it is weird though with the advancement of cameras everywhere that you're seeing less than you're like well, you pretty much don't see them at all. Yeah. Um it's kind of like how the increase in like boats and shipping across seas really took down the amount of sightings of sea monsters out there, right? Yeah. All yeah. of a sudden, when there was boats everywhere, no one was seeing sea monsters. Anymore. Almost like it was, you know, the fog of everything kind of lifted and you kind of were like, oh, there's it's just fucking water and fishies out here. You know, there's nothing. It's nothing weird out here. It's just uh, so it's- I mean, we we did end up finding the giant. Uh, what? giant squid the giant squid yeah but other than that not really you know mermaids and such we uh yeah you can't say never on that because there's a lot of weird shit super deep down there that we still don't know uh yeah he could if you watch the meg you know he's down there (laughs) um (laughs) but phil if anybody wants to give us their opinion on men in black how can they contact us well, you can be just like friend of the show, Caitlin, and hit us up on Instagram, Subliminal Deception Podcast on IG. We love to hear from everybody. Uh, you know, really great suggestions. We get them all the time. Uh, sometimes we get shit suggestions and, you know, we can still make an episode out of it. Sometimes a little particle of it. So hit us up. We love that. All the likes, all the shares. In uh, probably a also good way to get a hold of us is our email subliminal d podcast at gmail.com hit us up there uh maybe a longer form you might actually get more you know of your own story in there we love to hear it it's all good cody's got his own instagram what is that cody yeah you can follow me at cody's above give me a follow send me a message tell me if you watch naked attraction um the last thing we ask you guys to do is to log on to itunes leave a show five star review doesn't matter what you type in the box just type something Hit five stars, hit submit, and you're all done. Thank you very much to everyone who's taking time to do that for us. If you're a Spotify listener, you just got to hit five stars, hit submit, and you're done. Nice and easy. And thank you guys who've done that for us as well. Well, Phil, excellent episode. Love the Men in Black. It's a big boy conspiracy. And after two episodes, I think we have a pretty strong opinion on what's going on here. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.